This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This podcast contains adult content. Some of the themes or topics may include information on murder, kidnapping, torture, dismemberment, maybe some demonic content with information on positions and paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit, horrible and foul, socially unacceptable, totally uninhibited adult themes language. So if you're easily offended, if you're easily triggered, then I highly suggest you turn this off now. And if not, just keep in mind, parental discretion is advised. All right. It should be known this episode was originally recorded at a live show. If you roll down my feed to uh, April or May of 2018, you can find the live version there. I've been asked numerous times to re-record this. So, you know, for you new listeners, you might have gotten annoyed by the loud background noise and stuff like that. So, you know, figured it was time to re-record it. And I will also be doing reviews after this episode as well. I do have a few new ones, including a fabled one-star review. But anywho, um, my name is Justin, and this is The Death of David Box. Right, where this occurs is a town in Ohio called Fernald, F-E-R-N-A-L-D. It is about 20 miles northwest of Cincinnati. Dave Box, who was 39 at the time of his death, he was uh, described as a pretty quiet family guy. He was hired at NLO, which stands for Northern Lead of Ohio, which was also known as Feed Materials Production Center, as a pipe fitter in 1981. He was also described at work as a trusted and respected person to work with. He worked at the graveyard shift, and he did inspection and maintenance on filters, tanks, safety pumps, and dust collectors. Please remember that. Now, all of these four things that he did maintenance on and inspection on were used for uranium processing. And trust me, this is a pretty interesting episode. And if you're from the Fernald area, that's probably going to freak you out a little bit. He was also known to tell his co-workers to watch out for certain stuff on the job that had a certain high radiation levels and stuff like that. He was a very conscious co-worker, you know. If a radiation level was higher than it should have been, he would tell his co-workers, hey man, just watch out around there, you know, don't be going around there, okay? So, on the night of June 18th, 1984, 
at 11 p.m. He meets up with his longtime friend and co-worker, a guy named Harry Esterling. They meet at a restaurant, and that's where they would meet, and they would ride to work together. They would take turns, each of them driving. That's how us blue-collar guys do it, you know, saves a little bit on gas money. Same person doesn't have to drive every day, whatever the case may be. On the way to work, Harry says that they weren't really talking about anything important. Uh, he had just planned an upcoming vacation for the the next summer with his kids, and he was talking about his new lunchbox, which, you know, interesting enough, you know, sometimes you get a new lunchbox, man. It's, it's pretty hot news, you know. But um, at about midnight that night, which technically would be June 19th, he reports to the maintenance room for assignment. He opens his toolbox. He sets his keys and his lock to the toolbox on top of the box. And then he goes to plant eight to start work for the night, which is where he was assigned to. That is the plant for uranium processing. A little bit later in the evening, a witness sees Dave in a parked truck with his supervisor. And the witness says that it looks like there's an argument going on or a really intense conversation. Now, this witness also says that the windows were rolled up, which he thought was kind of weird because of the fact it was June in the Midwest. For those of you around Indiana, upper Midwest, stuff like that, and even, hell, even the South, at night, it's still humid. He said it was a very hot and humid night, and he thought that it was weird that the windows rolled up so he could not understand or hear their conversation. Now, about an hour after this witness sees them in the truck, another co-worker sees Dave walking to plant four. Now, the reason he noticed this is because he was supposed to be working in plant eight that night. And this is also the last time that Dave Box is seen alive. So earlier on in the morning, his friend at work, Harry, becomes very suspicious because he hadn't seen Dave for hours. Okay, they would always run into each other. You know, you have your lunch breaks, stuff like that. So at 5.15 a.m., a Plant 6 operator records a drop in temperature of about 28 degrees in one of the furnaces. Now, the normal temperature for one of these furnaces is right at about 1,300 degrees. And when you see a big drop in temperature, it suggests that there is some kind of foreign object that had been dropped into the furnace. It's like a little uh, sensor that might go off. Whether that sensor be on the operator or, you know, even a computerized sensor of some sort, which, you know, it's 1984, so it was more than likely the operator that uh, noticed that and brought it up. A couple hours later at 7 a.m., there's a safety meeting in Plant 4. There's no Dave there. Now Harry, who's getting ready to leave work, he notices Dave's toolbox still open. The keys were still on top with the lock still on top. He really didn't think much about it. He thought he was working some overtime. So he ends up going to leave, and he tells the security guard on his way out, you know, he's like, I don't know what's going on with Dave, but... You know, if you see him, just tell him I left. You know, I had to leave. I haven't seen him for a while. So at about 7.30 a.m., that same furnace operator from Plant 6 tells his supervisor that some of the casings 
on or in the oven are covered in a strange sticky residue, and he said it also has a really strange smell. His supervisor goes to check, and he says there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. Later that night, this is graveyard shift, 11 p.m., his friend Harry goes again to meet Dave at the normal restaurant before, you know, where they meet up to go to work, and he notices that Dave's car is still there. And he thinks that Dave went in to get some food or was in there eating, you know, waiting for him to come out or whatnot. And he just kind of nonchalantly leans up against the car and he realizes that the engine was cold. At that point, you know, it kind of sparks something a little bit in him and he's like, something's not right here. Because as you all know, they used to make vehicles to last back in the 80s. Shit was made out of metal, right? So if you run your car from 20 minutes, you know, anywhere over that length of time, if you turn your car off, I mean, for the next hour, your fender and your hood are still going to be warm to the touch and everything was still cold. So Harry goes on to work and he sees Dave's toolbox is still open and the keys are still on top and the lock is still on top. And he notices that the toolbox has not been moved or touched since the previous day when they got there. So Harry goes and he alerts a security guard to open up Dave's work locker. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with, you know, industrial type jobs, you know, sometimes in the dirtier jobs or, you know, bigger plants, everybody has a work locker. You know, you can put your regular clothes in there while you wear your work clothes or whatever the case might be. They open up the work locker, and clothes that Dave was wearing from the day before were still in there. So this is when even the security guard and some of the other employees are starting to get, like, worried. They're kind of suspicious. They're like, okay, something's definitely not right here. This is when everybody else starts noticing it. So a little later on, they remember that furnace that had that temperature drop, right? So they go to look in there, and what they find are the frames to Dave's glasses, bone fragments, pieces of a steel-toed boot, and a piece of wire looped around three times into what is almost a perfect triangle. And yes, you can look online and uh, see pictures of this of this uh, wire. And it was also handmade. Like, this is not like a natural occurrence with wire. You can tell somebody looped this thing three times. So... I was lucky enough to do this live episode with a good friend of mine, Shane Waters from Out of the Shadows Podcast. Shane Waters has uh, a degree in uh, forensic psychology, and he actually had a professor when he was in college, a guy by the name of Dr. Jay Siegel, who was consulted about this case. Dr. Siegel said that the wire could not hold the weight of just the body, but it could they could have used the steel-toed boots that were on Dave's feet to lower him in to the furnace because if you use like a hook and a hoist and put them on like a steel-toed boot or even, you know, like uh, where it goes up above the ankles a little bit, the boots are not going to slip off your body, okay? Those things are tied tight. I wear steel-toed boots literally every day and... They're not going anywhere. And you got to remember as well, Dave's body was found with steel-toed boots and that wire as well. 
So pretty much what they said, okay, this was investigated by the Hamilton County Sheriff's Department. And basically their ruling was that he had committed suicide. There was nobody ever charged with this, okay? They were saying that Dave pretty much hogtied himself, put a hoist, attached it to this loop, you know, this wired triangle loop, and used... There's always like a dangling remote control for these hoists to where it's got an up button, you know, a down button, and like an emergency stop. And what you do is you use it to pick up shit that you can't pick up and put into like a huge furnace. Basically, they said that he had hogtied himself. He had used this hoist to lift himself up and commit suicide by dropping himself into a 1300 degree furnace. Now, one of the interesting things that you should know about this as well is that until 1987, now remember, Dave died in 1984. Until 1987, the company was owned, it was federally owned, all right, which means the FBI should have been involved in this, but they were not, which is really, really odd. Now, to this day, or not even to this day, but uh, there was, I think, a rough episode on uh, Unsolved Mysteries or something like that. You know, the Harry, his buddy, straight up blames supervisor. He's like, he's this is his fault. You know, he fucking killed my friend. It's It's really, really odd. But they say he committed suicide because he had just gone through a divorce. Apparently, that's what did it. Even though he had just made plans with his kids to go on vacation the following summer, um, you know, he was in good spirits from what his friend Harry said, and he had just bought, you know, groceries for the week. He's doing pretty good for himself, and I know that doesn't matter when it comes to mental illness. I know I know that shit, okay? Because trust me, I'm mentally ill myself, so I get it. But at the same time, his personality and what I'm about to tell you in the facts section kind of leans me way away from any kind of suicide, okay? Now, before we do get to this facts section, we do have to take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. Do you want to get mouth-watering seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door? Then you need to get HelloFresh. It's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh makes cooking at home fun, easy, and it's affordable as well. For those of you regular listeners who are in the Facebook group and know me from social media, I love food. I love it. What you want to do is you want to break out of your dinner rut with HelloFresh's 22-plus seasonal chef-curated recipes each week. There's something for everyone in here, okay, including low-calorie, vegetarian, uh, family-friendly recipes every week. HelloFresh has more five-star recipes than any other meal kit, so you know you're going to get something delicious. It helps you save time, okay? You don't have to stress. You know, HelloFresh cuts out all the stress of the meal planning and prepping so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes or even 20 minutes with their quick recipe options. The average trip to the grocery store takes 41 minutes. That's over 35 hours a year if you go once a week. HelloFresh can also help you eat more sustainably. Their pre-portioned ingredients mean there's less prep for you 
and less food waste. The packaging HelloFresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made of recyclable and or already recycled content. Their carbon footprint is 25% lower than store-bought grocery-made meals. And the best part is it's, it's totally flexible and it fits to your lifestyle. You can add extra meals or lunches or throw in really good sides and desserts like garlic bread, cookie dough, stuff like that. You can easily change your delivery days or your food preferences and skip a week whenever you need to. Now me personally, I love to get the most meal for my moolah, alright? And HelloFresh is now from $5.66 per serving. $5.66 per serving. As you guys know, because they are a sponsor, they send me free food. This last time, I ordered the Parmesan crusted chicken, the cheesy beef tostados, and the pork burgers. Let me freaking tell you something. Like, the best part about this is they don't send you this stuff already pre-made. It's not all pre-made and already pre-packaged up and frozen and you just throw it in a microwave. Like they send you the ingredients, they give you the recipe, and you make it yourself. It's a real meal. And I'm telling you, like, the options that they have on the menu, freaking amazing. And I mean, I love Mexican food, so the cheesy beef tostados, perfect for me. Like I love Mexican food so much that there's a good chance... When and if I ever get married, there's going to be a nacho cheese fountain, probably some kind of taco bar. Like, that's how much I love Mexican food. Cheesy beef tostados, freaking amazing. And the Parmesan-crusted chicken, ugh. Like, I love chicken. And this stuff is so easy to make. And just all bullshit aside, like, they're not lying when it says it takes 20 to 30 minutes. It's super easy, super simple, not 100% sure why you're not doing it. So here's what you do. If you go to HelloFresh.com slash Mysterious10 and use the code Mysterious10, the number 10, this is the New Year's sale, okay? It's 2020, people. Let's do this right. Go to HelloFresh.com forward slash Mysterious and then the number 10. Use the code, the promo code, Mysterious10. You get 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's pretty awesome, and it's worth a try. Like I'm telling you guys, just go at least go look at the menu, use the promo code, whatever you want to do, but go check it out. It's totally worth it, all right? Now, while you guys are going back to the show, I'm going to go back to eating some food. Later. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right, now for some crazy ass facts about this company known as Feed Materials Production Center or Northern Lead of Ohio. Check this shit out. Before we get to that, 
you remember those keys that were still on the toolbox when Harry came back into work later that night, like the next day at 11 p.m. on the 19th or whatever? It should be known that they were also found in the furnace with the body. Not only that, but the keys barely suffered any kind of burn damage. So that obviously suggests that they were more than likely thrown in way after the fact. And not to mention that his friend Harry saw the keys on top of his toolbox that following night. Strange but true. So, Feed Materials Production Center, also known as NLO, from the mid-1950s to the 1980s, they processed high-grade uranium, which was sold to the government and used for nuclear warfare during the Cold War. The town did not know this was going on. Okay, now the workers at the company knew, the government knew, but... The government supposedly, supposedly, I used air quotations there, knew that they were supposed to be doing it in lower levels, like the radiation levels were supposed to be super low. But yeah, when you went to work at this place, when you got hired here, you were not really allowed to tell people what you were doing. You could tell them vaguely what you did or what, you know, whatever, whatever, but you could not specifically tell them what they were doing because nobody knew this was going on besides the company, the workers, and the government. The government obviously knew because they were buying this uranium. So it's suspected that Dave had found out the company was processing four times a higher amount of radiation than they were allowed to by the federal government and that Dave was going to blow the whistle on all this. Now, given his personality from his friends and some of his family, what they have said, I, I could see this being a possibility. So in the fall of 1984, now remember this is about three months after Dave's death, NLO has a factory accident, and they ended up releasing massive amounts of radioactive smoke into the air of Fernald and the surrounding areas. After an investigation into this incident, it was found out they had released, over a course of time, 200 tons of radioactive dust particles into the air and into the local waters in the area. Which is scary shit, right? So when the town finds out about this, they go crazy. They start freaking out. His friends, Dave's friends and family, believe that this is why he was killed. Because he had found this out. Because this was his job. He was the one monitoring the shit. He knew about the dust collectors. This was his job. And they said that the, he, they had found out, or that Dave had found out, you know, what was really going on. And he was going to, you know, blow the whistle on it, like I had mentioned. And this more than likely was the cause of the argument with the supervisor in the truck. Now, NLO was shut down in 1989. It was eventually demolished. Now it is a free air reserve where they planted a bunch of trees and a bunch of bushes. And basically what they're trying to do is fix their fuck-ups. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Now up until the 1990s as well, this is kind of scary shit too. Up until the mid-1990s, 
it was discovered that the government itself had lied about cancer rates in this general area around Fernald, Ohio, because of all of this shit that had happened with all this radioactive material. And to top it off, this is really, really sad. To top it off, Dave has never even been laid to rest by his family yet because his bone fragments are still so radioactive they can't legally bury him in the ground. He was sealed up in a 55-gallon drum along with everything found in that furnace and he was shipped to Nevada and this 55-gallon drum was put on a shelf in a nuclear testing site. Pretty messed up, right? So, I mean, yeah, we do have a suicide theory. He had recently gotten divorced. You know, maybe he did hogtie himself with these wires and lower himself into a 1,300-degree furnace to commit maybe the most painful and dramatic suicide you've ever seen or the dude was fucking murdered because he was about ready to blow some whistle on some shit that eventually came out not long after his death we're not a hundred percent sure so you know you can take that as you will i know it's a shorter episode but it's definitely an interesting one i want to get a few short ones out before i start hitting this carlos hathcock a series that I'm going to be doing here fairly shortly. So I had some stuff to clean up, do a little house cleaning and all that stuff. But anyway, uh, with that being said, I suppose uh, if you want to hear some reviews, then stick around after the music. You can hear some. All right. Got a cigarette lit. Got my beer. Oh, and by the way, I hope everybody's enjoying Sweetiana so far. I've gotten a lot of good compliments on it. Where uh, the truck is rolling every ten days, an episode gets released. So it's an ongoing investigation, investigative podcast as well, which is exciting for me and new for me. It's definitely my uh, escape to be professional. So uh, these are from America. First one is from Tarasi. Fuck, I hope that's right. It's five stars. It says, yes. It says, I love this podcast. It's interesting, informative, and well-researched without sounding stuffy and staccato like many scripted podcasts. Likewise, it tickles me endlessly to listen to someone swear so much but still sound smooth and comfortable and not like they have a mouthful of marbles. P.S. If you ever need help with research, let me know. I'm in the Facebook group, and uh, I don't know if you saw my podcast Instagram or not, but I actually posted these uh, these reviews uh, in my story there, which you can follow. It's at mysterious underscore podcast if you do want to follow me on there. Um, don't tease me about research help, all right, because I will fucking take you up on that. I will absolutely take you up on that. So, if you want to hit me up, I'm on a social, kind of a social media break. I'm off Facebook right now. I still have my Instagram and, uh, obviously my email and stuff. So, um, yeah, if you want to get a hold of me, I'll be back on Facebook probably, I don't know, February 1st or something. I don't know. Um, 
But yeah, I, I do appreciate it. And obviously, I love swearing. I'm glad that I sound smooth as fuck doing it, too. <laughs> appreciate that. Thank you very, very much for taking the time to leave that review. Next one is from Yola Berry. Five stars. And it says, uh, very addictive. It says, uh, my husband and I just started listening to the podcast in the middle of a road trip, and from there, no more music. <laughs> I love how Justin gets you engaged and passionate about the topic. While we were listening to Wyatt Earp, we happened to be nearby Tombstone, so all informed, we enjoyed the old, uh, the old town. It is hard, uh, hard to tell which stories we have enjoyed the most. Keep up the good work. Congratulations. Thank you very, very much. Um, I appreciate that. I can't remember if I read this on the last episode or not. Um, but if I didn't, I absolutely love Tombstone. I've been there one time, but I didn't know the things that I knew about the people and about the town when I went there. So I'd like to go there again because I know I would appreciate it so much more. But uh, I'm really glad that you like it. I hope you like the Doc Holiday episode as well. I'm not sure if you listened to that one yet, but you'd really, really like it. So... I appreciate it. Thank you very, very much. Um, next one is from Carrie Bassett. Five stars. Love your podcast. I heard you on with Roseanne and looked you up. First episode I listened to was about the werewolf, and it blew me away. Hung on every word. Thanks for the great podcast, Carrie. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate that. That was a very fun episode for me to do. I enjoyed it. Alright, this one I know is new. This one is from the UK as well, and I hope she's listening to this right now. And it is from Sue PR 77 It's five stars, it says Diamond in the Rough. I have never written a review for anyone, and my subscriptions to Paranormal and True Crime are plentiful. Found this by chance, and I have not stopped listening since. I've binged the, <laughs> binged the lot in two weeks. Justin, you are awesome. You are natural. Your unique approach and content is just wicked. Uh, you haters out there can do one. And then there's a fucking emoji of her flipping them off. And I'm just going to say it the American way. You haters out there can go fuck yourselves. Because that's exactly what we're talking about right now. It says, uh, if this podcast does not grip your interest for true crime, then you obviously have no interest in true crime. Justin, stay proud, stay awesome, and true to yourself. If you ever pop to the UK, there is a place for you at my table. You know what? Don't fucking tease me about that, Sue. Because by the end of this year, by the end of 2020, I just might fucking be over there. Nothing is set in stone yet. But I just might be over there. So, Sue, thank you very, very much for taking the time to write a review. And you never review podcasts, so thank you very, very much. I absolutely love that. I adore you. Thank you. This next one, I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure I haven't read this one. It says, uh, Rel C. Five stars, loving you in Australia. Awesome job, guys. Loving the reviews, thinks it th think it's my favorite part. Honestly, that's sometimes it's my favorite part too. I'm glad you enjoyed. I'm not sure what episodes you listen to, but this is usually a solo show, but I ain't even mad about it. Thank you very, very much, and I hope you enjoy this next review. 
from Canada. I don't get uh, reviews from Canada very often, which is sad. I'm pretty sure they hate me up there. I'm not sure. But uh, this one I also posted on my Instagram story. <laughs> it's from Nikita76901 star. It says saliva. Saliva sounds made me stop listening. Talk to a voice coach coach to fix it. It's gross. Well, Nikita, you're fucking gross. And you're obviously stupid, too. Because here's the deal. the Those mouth noises are not ca caused by uh, fucking saliva. It's caused by a lack thereof. So to that, just to fix my mouth noises just for you. Hold on a second. Mm-mm-mm. Just took a sip of that sweet fucking beer so you can hear me say clearly with m no mouth noises whatsoever. You can go fuck yourself, eh? <laughs> and please don't take that. I know a lot of you Canadian listeners are like, this motherfucker just stereotyped all of us by saying a. Eh. And it's like, no, I really didn't. I have so many friends in Canada Friends that I've made through podcasting who are listeners who are now friends, and also a lot of uh, Canadian podcasts as well. Uh, one of my best friends is Tyler from Minds of Madness, uh, an awesome guy. I hang out with him uh, all the time whenever we get the chance and stuff like that. So, yeah, please don't take that as uh, me stereotyping anybody. I'm just making fun of Nikita. That's all I'm doing. So, that right there is the extent of the reviews for this episode. Thank you very much for all the people who do take the time to rate and, you know, rate it and review it and subscribe. And like I always say, you know, if, if there's an episode that I've done that you think your friends might like, dude, tell them about it. You know what I mean? If they're into Westerns, be like, Hey, you know, go check out. You want to know about Doc Holliday? You want to know why, about Wyatt Earp, Billy the Kid, Jesse James? Go fucking check this dude out. You want to know about some rock stars? Bobby Fuller, Kurt Cobain? Uh, fuck, I don't know. I've done Jim Morrison. I keep forgetting about that one because it was so fucking long ago. Um, you know, I've got a lot of, a lot of those too. Uh, I mean, it's, it's great now because like I threw all this shit out there and now everybody else is picking up on these cases too, which I find amusing as fuck, but hey, you know, I kind of like being first, first to it, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously I've done a lot of movie stars as well. You know, Natalie Wood, Marilyn Monroe. Uh, I did The Curse of James Dean, like, uh, or his car, you know, like a couple years ago. Uh, just random shit, you know. Scroll through there. If you see somebody who might like something, suggest the show. Uh, but please, for, for the love of God, tell these people that I, that I like to cuss. That's all that I ask. Give them the fair fucking warning that they deserve, okay? You know, if you know they're fucking sensitive, just tell them not to listen. But anyway, I love all you guys. I love the MC Nation. I will see you here very, very shortly with a new episode. My sponsor list, I'm supposed to be dropping right around six to eight episodes in January. So you're going to get a lot of episodes this month. So some might be longer than others. You know, but they're all, they're all going to be interesting because I'm not going to do it if it's not interesting. So uh, with that being said, see you on the flip side.